Good morning. Welcome to the first Sunday of Advent, the season where we wait. We, we wait in anticipation of the celebration of the birth of Jesus on Christmas, and also we wait for the second coming of our Savior, Jesus. So we're going to sing songs this morning, pray, hear scriptures today, uh, all celebrating the waiting period of Advent. So would you bow with me as we start this service today? Lord Jesus, we do wait, and we do trust that you are coming. Coming again, and what a day that will be in the new heavens and the new earth. We thank you, Jesus, for coming uh, to human form, uh, to us in human form. We just, we love you, and we celebrate you now. Come, thou long-expected Jesus. looking at two passages, one from Luke 1 and from Romans 8. So this is Luke 1, 5 through 15. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well along in years. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, 
all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zacharias saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. Romans 8, 18 through 27. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. This is the word of the Lord. So this morning we start a three-week Advent series leading up to Christmas. And if you don't know, the word Advent means the arrival or the appearing or the coming. And of course, it re refers to the coming of our Lord 2,000 years ago. And so Advent is the season beginning four Sundays before Christmas. So it actually started last week uh, where we, we wait uh, with eager expectation for the arrival of our Savior on Christmas Day. And really, Advent is a time both to look back at that original time 2,000 years ago where God's people were waiting for the Messiah, but also to look at our time today where we are waiting for the second Advent or the second coming when Christ will establish his kingdom. And so Advent is a season of waiting and expectation and longing for the arrival of our Lord. And so today we're going to talk about this theme of waiting. And we had two passages read for you. The first one from Luke 1, part of the Christmas story. We have the, the well-known story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. These, this couple that is this profoundly uh, faithful couple as they're described there. They're upright. They're blameless. They love the Lord. They follow the Lord. And yet they have been through this profound experience of waiting as a couple. In their case of waiting for a son, longing for a son, getting married, and having hopes uh, for a son that uh, to that point hadn't come to fruition. And so they knew what it meant to wait. And they probably had gone through all the, the cycle and emotions of waiting, of waiting, of having expectation, and then disappointment, uh, maybe even anger, frustration, ultimately probably resignation. And when this story hits them, they're long past the age of 
having kids. And so they waited for something that, at least to this point, never came to fruition. And Zechariah had his own uh, experience of waiting. Right after this passage, Zechariah responds in a way um, that is not very faith-filled. And the angel says, you know what, because of that response, you're not going to speak for nine months until your son is born. And so he had his own experience of nine months of silently waiting for the birth of this child. So it was a couple that knew what it meant to wait. And they perfectly represented Israel in that time as a nation because Israel too was waiting for a child of their own. They were waiting for the Messiah, this this coming king that had been prophesied hundreds of years earlier that would rescue them, deliver them from their enemies. And uh, they waited for centuries and generations passed of waiting and not seeing that promise fulfilled. And they were still living at that time in exile, really, even back on their own land, but still under Roman occupation, longing, waiting for the coming deliverer. Hundreds of years of waiting. It says that that Zechariah was in the temple and he was offering the altar, uh, or at the altar, the the incense at the altar. And that incense represented uh, the prayers of the people. And, And the passage says that as he was doing that, the people are praying outside. And so I just want you to picture that image of this incense and this smoke rising up to God, being these prayers of the people, the longings of of Zechariah and Elizabeth, the longings of Israel uh, for, for a deliver, for salvation, that going up to God all this time and waiting for a response. And then we have the second passage, uh, Romans 8. And let's just fast forward now 2,000 years later than Zechariah and Elizabeth. And here we are um, on the other side of Jesus' first advent, But we are in this place of waiting as well for his second advent. And really, that's what Romans 8 captures so well. This this time between the times, time between the two advents of Jesus, which we describe as this already not yet experience of waiting. We're already Christ has come. So already we've received salvation and forgiveness and the gift of the Holy Spirit and all the hope that we have in Jesus And at the same time, we have not yet received our final salvation. Christ will come and make everything right and restore us internally and restore this whole place externally and that all things will be well. We are living in the already, not yet. And what I love about Romans 8 is it it captures that tension of already, not yet. So I I think maybe better than any passage, it's it's almost this unbearable tension, this very poignant tension that I experience in this passage. You've got verse 18, where it talks about this present suffering that we experience, and yet this this future glory that will far outweigh the sufferings that we experience now. Verse 20 and 21 talks about how the creation itself was subjected to futility and frustration, but it has this, this hopeful longing that it will be released and one day brought into a new heavens and new earth, and it lives in that tension. Verse 23, it talks about us who have the first fruits of the Spirit, meaning we already have God's presence in us. Really, the heaven is and God is already dwelling within us through, through God's own Spirit. We have that now, and yet we are groaning inwardly, even with God's presence, as we await the fullness 
of our redemption and salvation. So there's this, this tension, and Paul gives this great image that captures the tension so well. In verse 22, he talks about the image of being in the pains of childbirth. And really, that, that is anyone who has experienced that or knows about that, that is such a perfect image of the time we live in, right? The pains of childbirth. A woman in labor where there is this life that is going to be beautiful and miraculous. It's just about to burst through, and yet there's so much pain and, and groaning and agony in the process. And that is what we live in, the times between the times. And what we do in the times between the times is we wait. And that's really one of the themes of the Romans 8 passage, right? Verse 19 says that the creation waits in eager expectation. Verse 23 says that we eagerly, uh, we wait eagerly as well. And now we've been waiting eagerly for 2,000 years. It's a long time to wait. So what I want to do is, as I think about these passages, um, I want to just talk about this, this idea of waiting because I think, you know, if we've ever had an experience of waiting, it is in 2020. I mean, as we come to the end of this year, for sure, in, in my lifetime, I have never seen such a collective experience of society waiting as we have experienced this year. And we are going through this um, profoundly bizarre and strange experience that is so much, in so many ways, out of our control. Uh, and we're waiting for something to change. We're waiting for things to, to resolve. We're waiting for things to get back to normal, whatever that might mean. And I was just thinking through the different ways that we are experiencing ourselves waiting this year. And I want to just list some of the ways that, that we have, many of us in profound ways, experienced ourselves waiting for something. So for some of us, this year has been this experience of profound loneliness and isolation like never before. And we find ourselves waiting for opportunities to have normal connection again, face-to-face -face connection that we long for, that we haven't had for months now. For some of us, um, we've experienced a lot of financial insecurity, maybe even joblessness through this time. And we find ourselves just waiting for the economy to open, or at least for sectors of the economy that we're a part of to open up again so we can, we can pursue work as we've known it for our whole lives. And we're just waiting for that. For some of us, this year has been a, a year of fear and anxiety about our health or about the health of our loved ones. And we live in that anxiety and we are waiting. We're waiting for a vaccine. We're waiting for something that's going to give us a sense of it's, it's going to be safe again. And we just are waiting in that. For some of us, this has been a year of profound anger and uh, frustration. Um, we're frustrated with our leaders at all sorts of levels. We're frustrated with decisions that are being made. We're angry. We're frustrated with how certain Christians have approached this whole thing. And we're waiting to see wisdom come. We're waiting to see good decisions being made. We're waiting to see people live the way we think they should be living. Um, for some of us, this, is, this year has been a year of profound uh, sadness and concern, particularly over the, the divided state of our nation and of our society. And, and we find ourselves waiting. We're, we're waiting for peace. We're waiting for something to bring unity again to a nation that feels just increasingly divided. And we're waiting for that. For some of us, this year has meant chaos at home. 
Um, this has meant uh, a year where our kids are home with us and we're trying to figure out our jobs and our marriages and taking care of kids. And we find ourselves waiting for our kids to be able to go back to school in a usual rhythm and for life to return to some kind of normal rhythm. And we're so longing for that day. For some of us, um, we have experienced such instability and unpredictability. And it's just been so hard to plan anything because we, we can't plan even three months out because things change all the time. And so we might be people who love to make plans or to strategize for our companies or organizations or just our families. And we can't hold on to anything that's a guarantee. And so we're just waiting for when life can be stable again and the future can be a little bit more predictable so that we can map out our lives in the ways that we're used to doing. Uh, For some of us, Uh, This time of the year, even apart from this crazy COVID year, um, the holiday season brings um, memories of pain, of loneliness, of stress. And honestly, we're just kind of waiting for the holidays to be over. All that to say, um, we are waiting. And I think it's really important to talk about waiting. Uh, We don't talk about waiting very much. Um, We don't like waiting very much. In fact, I would say most of us hate waiting. Waiting. We really don't like waiting. And and I was thinking this week, you know, if there's ever been a society that has set its people up poorly to wait well, it's ours, right? I mean, we are a society, we are a a one click purchase society. We are, you know, free two day shipping. Um, We are viewing on demand. We are, hey, there's a pill, there's a product that you can take and get relief in the next five minutes, right? I mean, we, um, all the cultural messages lead us to think that that pleasure uh, and comfort and relief and solutions are right there at our fingertips. We are an instant culture. And so we haven't been set up well to expect to have to wait. And we really haven't been set up well to wait well. It's just not something that um, our culture has set us up uh, to do well. And I've been thinking about waiting. I've been reflecting on waiting in my own life and some of the dynamics um, that are triggered by waiting. And for me this year, I've experienced a lot of, you know, what what we've all experienced on a kind of greater scale. But I also have my own personal issues in my life that are heavy, that and that are unresolved, that I'm I'm waiting. And so I, I've been reflecting on waiting. I want to share with you just a couple dynamics that um, that I've experienced in waiting that I think makes waiting hard for us. Uh, and I'm thinking particularly waiting on God, um, which is what really this is all about: waiting on God. Um, here's three dynamics that as I just sit in my own heart that I've been feeling lately. Uh, first is this, there, there's a powerlessness to waiting. There's, there's a sense of feeling out of control, right? Like I am powerless. I'm waiting for someone to do something for me that I, that I can't do for myself. I mean, I mean waiting is what you do um, when your attempts to fix something or to control something have failed. Waiting is never our first resort. Waiting is is what happens when you're like, gosh, God, I've tried, I've done my best, and my best isn't working, and so I need you to do something that I, I apparently can't do for myself. Um, but there's a there's a sense of powerlessness to waiting that is hard. Um, uh, with that, I think there's a sense of vulnerability to waiting. There's a sense of maybe I could use the word even uh, neediness uh, to waiting to 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 just have to wait on someone else to do something that you can't do for yourself is a vulnerable place to be. It's a needy place to be. 
And I was even thinking like something as simple as like if you have a lunch appointment with somebody, what it feels like to show up early and just to wait for them, like to just show up 10 minutes early to be sitting there and to see them walking up and to, and for them to just see you just sitting there waiting for you is kind of a vulnerable place to be like, we almost always, we just go to our phones. You know, we, we start catching up on emails because I wasn't waiting. I was working, you know, I was, I was doing stuff, but I'm not just sitting here waiting on you. Um, that's a vulnerable feeling. We, we don't like that sort of vulnerable, needy feeling. And yet that's a part of waiting. And then the other thing is just that, that waiting can feel so unproductive, right? It can feel so just inefficient. In one sense, when we're waiting, we feel like I'm not doing anything. And it's true. In one sense, we're not doing anything uh, when we wait. And we love to be efficient and productive. Um, all that to say, there's these dynamics that are hard for us in waiting. And this year, I think, 2020 has brought out so many of those dynamics, a sense of powerlessness, uh, a sense of vulnerability, a sense of inefficiency. It's, it's really hard. And I want to remind us at the beginning of December, the good news of Advent. I really want to turn this now and, and encourage you and remind you of the news of Advent is this. We have this God who meets us in our waiting. We have this God who, who longs to meet us right in that place where we're just waiting on him. As we look at the Luke passage, um, the Luke passage gives us this picture of a God who hears us in our waiting. I, mean, I love verse 11, where the, when the angel appears uh, to Zechariah, the location where he appears is significant. It says that he was there standing at the right side of the altar of incense. So right at this place where, where the prayers of the people are going up to God, it's right there that he appears. And that location, I think, is intentional to say, I hear these prayers God is saying to Zechariah. And then the actual words of, of the angel completely confirm that. In verse 13, here's his words. Do not be afraid. Your prayers have been heard. What a comforting thought. Zechariah, all those years, you and Elizabeth were praying. And all those years, all you got was silence. You probably wondered, is God even listening? Guess what? God was listening. God hears your cries. In Israel, those hundreds of years, you were crying out, longing for a deliverer. When it maybe felt like maybe God just isn't listening. God was listening. And to us, that is the message of Advent. We have this God who always hears us, even in the waiting. He's listening. And, and not just listening, but he's listening with love. We have this God who always listens to us with this posture of love, who hears us in our waiting. And then as we go to the, the Romans passage, not only do we have this God who hears us, but I think even more than that, we have this God who is with us in the waiting. And I love this description of the Spirit in verse 26 and 27, where it says, this, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We don't know how we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. We, we have a God who not is only just the God on high who hears our prayers, but he is the God who is actually dwelling in us through his own Spirit. His own powerful presence is dwelling in us. And what he's doing is he is actively participating in this waiting with us. He's, he is groaning with us in all that is unfinished 
in our lives. So we don't just have this God that's up there that says, I hear you and buck up, (laughs) put a good face on it, keep going. But we have this God who is right in the midst of it with us, groaning with us, sitting in it with us. We have this God who, all that to say, meets us right there in the waiting. And I was thinking about waiting. You know, it's not incidental that God meets us in the waiting. It's, I think it's actually true that waiting, in a certain way, it uniquely puts us in a place where we are ready to receive from God, where we are ready to encounter His presence. Because all those dynamics I, I talked about earlier that are hard, like powerlessness, vulnerability, um, you know, inefficiency, neediness, we don't like those. But those are the very postures that actually begin to open up our lives so that we make room for God. We actually recognize our need for God and we actually start to wait for His solutions. And really, when we're not feeling those things, we kind of tend to just do our lives, right? We just kind of do stuff. And God's up there. He's he's part of our lives. Um, But He's not really the goal. We've got these other agendas and these other goals. And there's something about waiting that opens our hearts up, opens our lives up so that we're actually in a better place to encounter God, to long for God, and to notice when God shows up and starts to do a work in our lives. And so that's the beautiful thing about about waiting is it can actually give us a deeper experience of God's presence, of His beauty, of His power, as as his, uh, His ability to save us. So here's what I want to do. I want to leave you with this idea. I, I want to invite us this season into a very intentional posture of waiting. I want us to consider what does it mean to wait well? And I want to encourage you with this verse, Psalm 27, 14, that says this, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. I want to encourage us to wait well the way the psalmist encourages us to wait on the Lord. And I want to leave you with, I think, two biblical prayers that are uniquely fitting in postures of waiting that you can offer each day as you're in your own experience of waiting. Here's the first prayer. How long, O Lord? And this is the prayer of the Psalms. I I think almost a quarter of the Psalms have this sentiment. Lord, how long? And really, it's a cry of lament. It's a cry that things are not the way they should be, Lord. And you seem so slow in answering in ways that seem right to me. So how long will this go on? It's a lament. To use the words of the Romans passage, it's a groaning. And I don't know if you noticed, but there's three groaners in this Romans passage. Creation is groaning. We are groaning. And the spirit within us is groaning. So I think looking at that, we can assume these are what I would call holy groanings. These are God-honoring groanings. These are not faithless groanings. These aren't uh, grumblings in an inappropriate way. These are faith-filled groanings that say, Lord, I know that you love me. I know that you're good. I know that you're wise. I know that you're powerful. I know that you long to give good gifts to your kids. So in light of all of that, how long, O Lord? Like that doesn't, what I'm experiencing doesn't seem to fit with any of that. So when are you going to show up and change the situation? It's a, it's a faith-filled lament. It's a faith-filled groaning. And as I look at what's happened in 2020, I just want to say full permission, groaning is the right response to 2020. Lament is the right 
biblical response. It's not the only response, but it is a very appropriate place to be, to cry out, how long, O Lord? So that's the first prayer that I think we can, we can pray in these moments of waiting. But the other prayer, and I think it's needed with that first one, is this. It's actually the final prayer uh, in the Bible. It's like the last, second to last verse in Revelation. Here's the prayer. Come, Lord Jesus. Or in the Aramaic, it is the word Maranatha. Come, Lord Jesus. And we mean that prayer in two ways. First, in the, in the final biggest way, like literally, Lord, return. Come to earth. Bring your kingdom. Bring the new Jerusalem. Set all things right. Redeem, restore, new heavens, new earth. Lord, we are longing for your coming. We want the groom to return to be with his bride. We acknowledge this place is not our home. Our deepest longings will never be fulfilled in this life as much as we want them to. And so we're crying out, Lord Jesus, come, return your second and final advent. So we mean that that prayer in the big way, but also I think we can, we can offer that prayer in the small and immediate ways, in the specific situations of our lives. Come, Lord Jesus, meaning, Lord, show up right now in the midst of this grief. Lord, come be here in the midst of this sadness or this depression or this conflict I'm in or this uh, lack of resources or you know, whatever it might be, I, I need you to show up in some way in this thing I'm going through. I need you to bring your relief. I need you to bring resolution. I need you to bring your power. Whatever it is, I need you, Lord, come and be with me in this. And ultimately, bring more of yourself. I need you, Lord. I don't just need your solutions. I need you. And that's what I want to leave us with, that, that waiting in the end is this opportunity to get our eyes off of the temporal and off of our own personal agendas, which we all have that aren't bad, but to get our eyes off of that and to look up and to fix our eyes on Jesus in this place of powerless waiting and say, Lord, come quickly. And ultimately, Lord, it's you I want. Like in the end, you are what I want. You are the treasure. You are, you are the thing that I most long for. So Lord, come. How long, O oh Lord? And come, Lord Jesus. So I leave you with that encouragement. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. A faithful posture of waiting. The more I think about it, the more I'm impressed with how countercultural this is. And it's not just the reality of waiting that is countercultural, everybody can relate to waiting. But it's the way we wait as faithful believers that's so distinctive. For many, if not most people, waiting is something to endure, to bear, until the good thing you're waiting for gets here. And that certainly is a part of it. But I think a more robust, enlightened form of waiting is one where we see the worth and value in the process of waiting itself. I was thinking about what James, the brother of Jesus, said in his letter, and I like how Eugene Peterson paraphrases it. He said, Consider a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. 
let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. And I think that applies to waiting because waiting is a sort of trial, isn't it? And like other trials, there's good purpose in it. Can we not just endure waiting, but perhaps see it as a divine gift? So what is it for you? What's going on in your life right now where you're having to faithfully wait? Let's just take a moment to consider that question for yourself. Acknowledge it before God. Submit your waiting before the Lord. Ask Him to help you wait well with faithful perspective, trusting Him through it, trusting Him in it. Let's do that together now. Father, in this season of Advent, this time of faithful waiting and expectation, we want to wait well. Lord, you know us, everything that is on our heart, every concern, every care, every struggle, you know it all. You are with us and you are with us in it, whatever it is we are facing. Your loving kindness pours over us and you are gentle with us and profoundly purposeful. Thank you. Lord, we want to be people who are faithful, that is full of faith, full of trust in you for your goodness and for your timing. So may we abide in you moment by moment, day by day, May we be reminded of the sufficiency of your grace in these days we are living. May we experience joy in the midst of our waiting. And we thank you for your son, Jesus, who made all these promises real and made all these promises ours. And it is in his name that we pray this. Amen.
We hope you've been encouraged today by the message, and we invite you, as always, to engage the discussion questions immediately following this. Let me just end our time for this wonderful verse in Isaiah, which says, For those who wait in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Let's put our faith and hope and trust in the Lord. Have a great week. Grace be with you.